You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Good morning, Embassy Church. Hi, everybody. Gene and I have the great privilege of being with you for a few minutes this morning, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat <laughs> uh, that this is not going to be the most thorough job I've ever done in 20 or 25 minutes, and I hope that you get to go online or get to go on the phone call on Tuesday night and continue our conversation, because we're just going to lay some real broad framework. Pastor Megan asked Gene and I to talk about civil disobedience. I've already enlarged the term in my mind <laughs> to mean Christian civil disobedience, because... Which means what Christians do when they have to disobey civil authorities? Uh, that would be it. <laughs> and then we're going to maybe put a line through the word civil for a minute and just talk about disobedience to authority, because... That's the real issue, Yeah, is that uh, what you have to watch out for, uh, both as a leader and as a believer, is letting yourself make up personal agendas, personal convictions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. personal excuses, <laughs> so, that you can, uh, so that you can rebel. Yeah. Uh, there's so much going on in the world today that, uh, that poses itself as civil disobedience, but like our friend Brett Esslinger said over in Edmonton, he said, I'm not sure what all these people think they're unleashing in their church. They're right. going to come home and they're going to find out that once people have got the taste in their mouth that it's okay to disobey, uh, they're not necessarily, unless they have an understanding, going to, to know when to apply it, when not to apply it. What so, we have to watch out for is that spirit of lawlessness that's, right. that's at work in the earth today, in the world today. And so we as Christians are not supposed to live our lives with a spirit of lawlessness about us, but we are supposed to hold in our hearts a place of honor and um, uh, respect for the authorities that God has set into place. Let's pray right quick before we, we don't jump. Have time to pray. <laughs> Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come together and share your word this morning. Help us, Holy Spirit, articulate the heart and mind of God. Let the hearts be open and the ears receptive to the things that you want to sow today through your word and by your spirit. And we give you much thanks and great praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I guess we did, and I'm glad we did. There's always time for prayer. Uh, just to joke between me and Jane. So, so uh, where to start? What it's not is rebellion. Anything, right. anything that promotes rebellion or lawlessness, you have to take a step back and look at it and say, this can't have been the Spirit of God. Right. Because Gene and I were talking earlier this morning, both, both Peter and First Peter, the letter there, and the book of James makes similar statements about God resisting the proud yes. and giving grace to the humble. Yeah, yeah. So you have to know that that's a universal truth. Anytime, anytime your pride promotes you out of humility to act, yes. the fruit of it's going to be God's resistance back into your life. And, and, all, not, and in Peter, he begins with making sure you're submitted to God. No. So no matter what you're doing, the premise that we live from is that we live in a place of submission and obedience to God, and we're not doing anything other than what God has instructed us to do. And we live, like David said earlier, from this place of a personal conviction that I hold that God has instructed this to me to do or not to do. So to try and throw some thoughts out that you might be able to sink your teeth into. 
we are probably moving towards a day where as Christians we will have to begin to practice some form of civil disobedience. This is not this is not normally a private act. So I hear a lot of talk about people saying, I have this conviction. I have a conviction not to wear a mask. But that is going to have to take into consideration all the scriptures that talk about what your convictions can do. And 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I think it is, Romans chapter 14 and 15, talk a lot about what your convictions are supposed to do. And they sum it all up by saying, have your conviction to yourself alone with God. A right. personal conviction is by its very nature a personal conviction. Right. So if personal. I, that's right. If personal. I, if I don't want to wear a mask, I don't have to wear a mask in environments that it's not required, but my personal conviction can't trump what someone else thinks they're supposed to do. So No, and, and Paul said, if, if my liberty causes my brother to stumble, then, then I can't exercise my liberty. I have to come along and yield my liberty for the sake of my brother's conscience because above everything else, we are to guard this place of unity and oneness That's in right. the body of That's Christ. Right. So the person with the free conscience, let's say, yeah. is also supposed to be the one that makes certain that they don't violate someone else's integrity. That's exactly right. Because, because here's the thing. When my conscience violates yours, I embolden you to do things beyond your faith. Yes, now, so now good. Now listen carefully mm -hmm. just for a second mm -hmm. because whether we're talking about food, whether we're talking about drink, whether we're talking about sex practices, whatever we're talking about in the context of where it's appropriate, if I persuade you that in my liberty, if you embrace me, you can be free too, what I've done is I've stepped in between you and your relationship with exactly. the Lord. There are some things we all have to discover on our own to come to a place of faith so we can say whether we eat or whether we don't eat, whether we drink or whether we don't drink, this is our sovereign place where we've come to a conviction through our walk, through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can live up to it. Because if I intervene, if I talk you into having a drink when you're not supposed to, and I'm not going to do that, but if I were to talk you into having a drink, then by that liberty, by that freedom, I've removed the boundaries and the barriers that you and the Lord have constructed into your life. That's right. That's right. And that's a, that's a place that no preacher, no other human being, is allowed to enter into. So. Romans 14, 23, whoever has doubts is condemned. Paul says if he eats, whoever doubts is condemned in whatever activity that they perform. When you doubt about the rightness of an activity, the default is don't do it. Gets, he finishes up the statement by saying, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. So if I can't if I can't hold this uh, submission to the word of God, because we all have 
the command from God about how to live our lives. And then we have something that's like David says, the gray zone that we carry a personal conviction about that the word doesn't specifically say is right or wrong, but we carry a personal conviction or a liberty that we do or don't have to do something. But it has to proceed from this place of faith. I've communicated with God about this. This is what God is instructed. This is what God has instructed me to do. And I am submitting this activity, this, this uh, mindset, whatever it is, I'm submitting it unto the Father and walking in obedience to Him. Sweethearts, the gray zone is of the Lord. It's on purpose. It's not an accident. It's, it's in the cases that we're talking about. It's not because the Lord forgot to mention something. <laughs> so there, there are some things that you are told not to do. There are some things that you are told to do. Those are clear. But to build your own walk with the Lord, there has to be the liberty to choose mm-hmm. what you can choose in faith and by faith so that none of us have the identical walk with the Lord that the others do. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to, except to where it comes back to all of us having a life of convicted faith. On that note, uh, convicted faith, again, back to the idea of a conviction, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not a leadership tool. So, for instance, a pastor can't really lightly say, God's convicted me that we have to do this as a church or that as a church without taking into consideration everyone else's convictions that he's leading and everyone else's convictions that are watching the fruit of what's happening. Leadership is not the place for personal convictions. Mm. Personal convictions are lived privately, alone, between you and God. Leadership is administered through principles of wisdom and truth that may eventually have an element of conviction in them. You should have conviction about what you believe, about what you practice. But where you take the group, where the group goes, is a far bigger question than what one person might feel about something. Wear your mask, keep the rules as much as you can keep the rules. Don't ever under any circumstance think that having a conviction or our practicing Christian civil disobedience should get you out of trouble. So if I don't say anything else, I need to say this before our time's up. The idea about civil disobedience is not that you get angry, And not that you harden your heart and go do, bless God, what you think you should do anyway. It's that because the kingdom of God is being hindered and you're obligated to build and extend the kingdom of God, you say to yourself, like, I don't know if we're going to read much of them, but in Acts chapter 4, Peter said when he was held to book by the Sanhedrin, whether it's right to obey God or man, you decide. But for us, we're going to preach. We're going to do what God tells us to do. There's a lot in this chapter that needs to be looked at and discussed because this is not a flippant choice to just say, you can't tell me what to do. Because these fellows were beaten. They were driven away. They went home glad that they were worthy, <laughs> that they were somehow that their life represented enough of Christ to be beaten and be shamed for his name. So to think that you can just stick your nose up in the air and be defiant and go do what you want to do or what you think should be done 
to rub the government's nose in it is not really the point. The point is... It's not even the same thing that Acts 4 talks about. It's a conversation about bringing glory to God. That's so right. what you, when we come to civil disobedience, we're going to do something like this. This is what I've told Gene, what we're going to do. When, it, when we do something as Ministers Network, what we're going to do is we're going to do a bunch of churches all at one time. We're going to say, you know, it's gone too far. And these are the reasons it's gone too far. And those reasons haven't been invoked yet. But this is, this is where we're at. And we're all going to go have church on this given day. We're all going to be down there. Dear health officer, we're going to be there. Please feel free to send the police down and arrest us if that's what you feel like you need to do because we're not hiding from you. We're not trying to make your job harder. We have every intention of behaving like Christians irrespective of how you treat us or how you see us or what you do. So if that means we go to jail, then by the grace of God, I maybe know some people that could do this, but maybe not the guy looking at you right now. I'd like to think we'd get on our knees and pray and worship God like Paul and Silas did when they were illegitimately arrested for preaching the gospel. Or I'd like to think we were the kind of people, and this is who he's looking for. Jesus is looking for men and women who have enough spiritual integrity to know that it is through their sufferings, righteous sufferings, like it says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and 5, who do the right thing when people treat them wrongly and by so doing become partners in the sufferings of Christ. And because of the stand and the righteous way that they act and behave, in the end, people look at them and say, there's something different about these people. These aren't just angry people trying to get their point across. These people actually have something they believe. And the thing that they believe is so far beyond my personal understanding of how they could not be afraid or angry. Their personal belief is so far beyond that. I'm humbled by it. And I need to stop and ask them where they get the strength and the integrity to do this and to turn around and give glory to God in the process. If it doesn't glorify God, it's not the real thing. Just because you might get more liberty, it's not the real thing unless God gets the glory. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just thinking about how we've made the whole issue about whether we will wear masks or whether we will um, stay away, social distance, uh, maintain the bubble that, that we're instructed. I mean, I, I realize that the, the restrictions are different in Saskatchewan and Alberta than they are in BC. But um, when we talk about, about coming into a place of, of what the Christians had to face in the early church in the book of Acts, we're looking at something entirely different there. Like David just said, this was about their ability to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were threatened for preaching in the name of Jesus. We've just been asked by the government to put a mask on. And not because we're Christians. Yeah, they they haven't said because you're Christians you have to mask up. We're not been selected. No, this isn't this isn't a personal affront against you and I as a Christian. And so th there are there are civil laws and and guidelines and restrictions that we all live by 
every day we get in our cars and we drive a speed limit. We we put a seat belt on. We put our children in um, uh, car seats because it protects our children. Um, we 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 don't drink and while while we drive, we're not supposed to. There's a law about those things. We and we all and we accept them. And we accept them. We acknowledge that these have been instituted by the authorities in the government for our well-being. We all like to take advantage of the health care system because we don't have to pay for anything. But yet when the health care system comes along and does something we don't like, we throw our hands up and we say that doesn't benefit us. So, so you've got to be very careful about uh, about the dividing in the disobedience right. in the activity to make sure that the disobedience that, that you are performing really does line up with the will and character of Christ. You know the scripture says all authority, all authority has been given by God. There isn't a, an authority that exists that hasn't been given by God. And when you resist the authority, it tells tells us that you're resisting God. That's right. So this is huge. The thing about pride, the thing about exalting your, what is pride? I'm ex- I will. That's what pride is. I will do this. I will, I'll have my way and I'll just exert my will. I will. When, when we live in the place of exalting our will above the will of the Father, then we are moving into a place of not just rebelling against a natural authority, we are rebelling against God. And the Bible says in Peter that God resists, and it is a, I love the word, it's a military word. He arrays himself against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we will learn to live our lives in a place of absolute submission to God, I don't need to have an opinion about this. I'm walking in obedience to God. I'm not doing anything until I know exactly what it is the Father wants me to do. And then if everybody else isn't doing it, my responsibility to, is to obey God. If everybody else is doing something that I have a personal conviction about that I cannot do because God said don't do it, then I'm not going to go into that environment. Right. I'm going to live under the direction of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, and I'm going to live by the convictions that He has placed within my heart, and that always brings glory and honor to God. And that is that is the point. That yes. is the point. In it all, you become the living representative yes. of Christ. You go into a situation like Christ did. You are looked at and viewed like He was, and yet you bear the pain. You yeah. bear, you bear the punishment, whatever That's the right. punishment might be. That's right. You need, you need. You to do suffer that. joyfully. You don't sneak <laughs> off. You don't hide. It's not something you do in secret. You don't get mad when you have to go to jail. You don't get mad when you get a ticket. You pay the ticket. You take it happily. You thank the guy for giving it to you. I'm sorry, I was speeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something in like theory. That. In maybe. theory, in theory. I'll, that's as far as you go. You probably shouldn't say I won't ever do it again, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. In chapter four of Acts, I'm going to read this scripture and then we're going to close. We'll come back to this, hopefully in the conversation on Tuesday night. I hope this works out. I hope it hasn't been too scattered. But in, uh, in verse number 25, in the last half of it, they're quoting after they've been happy that they got beaten for the name of the Lord and all of this. They're quoting the second psalm. There's one major school of thought that says 
Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are the boundaries that every other psalm fits in. The people who follow God are in Psalm 1. The people who disobey and stand against God are in Psalm 2. It shows it, and the fact that the fact that it's quoted right here shows you that Christian civil disobedience isn't so much about whether it's against the civil authority or the spiritual authority or the political authorities. It's all administered in one ear. So he says, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, not against you not against your church, Mm -hmm. not against me or Gene. That's not the conversation. It's all a public display of Christ being opposed. And in that, you must carry on as if you were playing the role of Christ himself in civil disobedience, or it just plants seeds of lawlessness and rebellion in your children, in your children's children, in your community, and you will be powerless. Yeah, 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 yeah. So may the, may the Lord, may the spirit of grace come upon each and every one of us today and give us the wisdom and insight to walk righteously and do justly in the earth today as we move through all of the situations that we're living in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is us saying goodbye. Call Amen. us on Tuesday. I'm excited about that too. We love you all. We, we wish you. we could be with you. Yeah. We bless you all in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.